Ladies and gentlemen, here is the latest bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. Step into the This is Macabre Grimoire with Airy Show, Travis Nye, and Robert Maley. When a man's soul is certainly in hell, his body will scarce lie quiet in a tomb, however costly. Sometime or other, the door must open and the reprobate come forth in abhorrent garments of the grave. Scottish poet Robert Louis Stevenson, referencing George Mackenzie in his book 1879, Edinburgh Picturesque Notes. Hey everybody, welcome to Macabre Grimoires. This is chapter four. We've got our hosts here, myself, Ari, Rob, and Travis. And today we're talking about Greyfriars Kirkyard. Greyfriars, Greyfriars Kirkyard. I almost said Cookyard. That's, maybe that's just the I Western appreciate the accent for that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I have no idea if that's right, but it, 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 just, sound, it just feels good. It feels it right. It does, it felt right. Irish. Close enough. Well, it's Scottish. We're in Edinburgh. Oh, all right, fair enough. That's yeah, fantastic. you're getting a fight if you you mix those up over there. I'm <laughs> guessing. But uh, yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about Edinburgh, specifically the Greyfriars Kirkyard, which is uh, basically um, a fancy old word for graveyard. Now, Greyfriars in particular is considered one of the most haunted uh, graveyards in the world. So I thought I'd share with you a few notes about it. You guys can stop me if you want to chime in or anything like that, but I'm going to go ahead and read through this history I researched and put together for everybody. So here's here's basically my premise for this is, what do body snatchers, violent ghosts, loyal dogs, Harry Potter, and a failed political revolution have in common? Greyfriars Kirkyard in Edinburgh, Scotland, is widely considered by many on the interwebs to be the most haunted graveyard in the world. This graveyard is the city's, is in the city's historic district perched on a hill overlooking the new town. And for some context, new town was built around 1700. So it's not exactly new. It's just its name. It's, it's new new, it's, but not new. It's new to Edinburgh. <laughs> Does it have an old one? I would assume, like but I Mexico, New Mexico. Yeah, thing? I, I, I didn't pull out a map and look, but I should have, because I, I bet there's an old town. Because that sounds like something you'd say when an old, right, an old city like Edinburgh is like I'm headed to old town. If that's the case, what happened to the old one? Maybe that is the actual cemetery. Could be probably. Well, I always think like in back in the day, whenever they name something like New, like New York or whatever, it's it was just their. They were just being lazy with picking a, a genuine name for their town. They're like, oh, I don't know, I really like the town of York. We'll just name it well, New York. On the East Coast, <laughs> I find it's people were kissing their boss's ass. Yes. Because it's, you know, Virginia mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, New York. Right. Uh, which I guess part of it, too, was they were trying to do a, diff- a different new name because it was originally New Amsterdam when the English took it. So Right. Um. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff on the East Coast that is like, you know, George, George, George Ah, you know, it's right, like right, lot, lots of ass kissing. And you see it actually uh, here in South Dakota where we're at, too, because almost every other town in this state is named for a railroad executive or his like family member or something oh, like that. Because yeah. it's the, you know, there are all these little towns like the one I grew up in Wessington. And it's a little water station, you know, mm. one every 10. They needed one every 10 miles. And that's right. how it started. Right. 
Westington changed its name though eventually for the because of the Westington Hills and the there's a whole we'll do, we could do a whole episode oh, I know, about the, yeah. the history of that. Right, so right. let's get back to Sorry. let's get back to Edinburgh. No, yeah. not you. It's me. I'm just <laughs> tangent boy over here. So the other thing is that Greyfriars predates the that area, Newtown, because Greyfriars itself was established sometime in the 1560s. Which is, I think is pretty impressive. I mean, obviously, stuff existed before we were born, but the fact that it stood so long, you know... It's, it's like the Eddie Izzard gag, where he mm-hmm. talks about how... In Europe, it's like everything is history. There's just history, history everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's like, we've got so many goddamn castles, you just... Drives take forever, because you have to drive around all the goddamn castles. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, then he talks about... And and then then you've got the United States, where they're like, tear it down. It's like, this building's 100 years old. Tear it down. There was no one alive back then. (laughs) Yeah. That's, yeah, and that's pretty much kind of, I feel sometimes with Sioux Falls, like, if there's anything old, or like, tear it down, build a new one. Like, we're not going to preserve history. Screw that. It's just like, this is America. <laughs> it's like, no, save the history. If it's still a good building, it still works, and let's renovate it. Anyways. Yep. Tangent. Tangent. <laughs> full, of t- full of bloody tangents. Speaking uh... of... I see what you did there. <laughs> so, speaking of bloody tangents... Uh, one of the most famous ghosts and feature, probably, of this graveyard is Bloody Mackenzie. Now, Bloody Mackenzie uh, is basically a very active poltergeist that people believe that is George Mackenzie, who was buried in this cemetery. They call it the Mackenzie Poltergeist. He's said to be one of the most aggressive and active paranormal figures around. Known during his lifetime as a ruthless persecutor of Scottish Coventers, Coventers are going to come up in a big way later here, mm-hmm. uh, a Presbyterian movement in the 17th century, Mackenzie's spirit, according to legend, was released in 1999. So it started... There are reports that go back further, but it definitely, like, apparently really took off starting in the 2000s, because they say in 1999 a homeless man looking for a spot to sleep during a storm, broke into the mausoleum and slept inside of... And it's literally called the Black Mausoleum. And why the fuck would you break into a place called the Black Mausoleum? And that sounds like a really good idea of a place to sleep. There's probably tons how, of mausoleums. How drunk or high were you? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, this is a cemetery. Oh, good place to, you know, sleep at the Black Mausoleum. Not scary at all. That's how horror films start. Well, you're going to get a really good night's sleep if you're not haunted because nobody else is going to mess with you. This is true. Like, yeah, what you quiet as the tomb. Like, what are you doing here? Like, you shouldn't be checking this place out. Right. I mean, like, how does that even work? Did you, like, slide in and, like, push the bones over? I mean, fuck, man. That's just. We didn't crack open the tomb, up. did he? It just sounds like he broke up in the mausoleum because mausoleums yeah, are just little houses. Yeah, he's in the mausoleum mos- part. I just, yeah. That I'm, I'm being silly. No, I mean, I'm, I'm like, well, well, if you're going to go that far, you might as well get into the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're already here. Well, there's no bones in here. Might as well lay mine down. Yeah, really. You're talking to somebody like, no bones about it. <laughs> ah. Seriously, put that femur down. <laughs> Even profound skeptics have felt an eerie, sometimes terrifying presence in the Greyfriars Kirkyard. Many come away convinced that there is something there, even if they are unwilling to accept it as a poltergeist. The Mackenzie poltergeist has been called one of the most well-documented paranormal phenomena in the world. Hundreds of people claim to have encountered the unpleasant spirit, said to be the ghost of George Mackenzie, otherwise otherwise known as Bloody Mackenzie. Yep, okay. I 
got multiple parts here. Oh, you're fine. Even before the incident with the homeless person... Here we go. Even before the incident with the homeless person, the poltergeist was leaving his mark on visitors to to the derelict vaults under Southbridge. Scores of people on ghost tours in the vaults reported being scratched, pushed, and trampled. There's even an account of one 11-year-old boy who was said to have come out of the tour with long, bloody scratches down his arm, while many visitors have suddenly felt cold and scores have fainted on the tours. Now, I don't know about that because I think that, and this is this is just my opinion based off of one article that I've read online, when... Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets came out in theaters. There's a there's a scene in there where Ron is puking up slugs. And that scene grossed out people in like that area of the world. We're talking like London, Scotland, like that area. To the point where people were either vomiting in theaters or had or fainting and leaving. So if people are fainting like I don't, I don't know. I'm just like, I think people are maybe just weaker constitutions or this. But like I said, this is just one impression of one event. You hear that, Scotland? You're all weak. <laughs> I'm calling you out, Scotland. Just kidding. I've never been there and I'm pretty sure they're awesome. It sounds lovely. It sounds lovely. Maybe that's why they're weak. Other than the ghost. <laughs> Other than the ghost. They're pampered. So I'm just wondering if, if that's just like part of their culture where fainting is more acceptable. I don't know. I don't know. Like more expected as but a reaction? I, th- I think it could tie in that that if you're on a ghost tour and they keep building up and building up and building up, oh, this is spooky, this is spooky, oh man, you're going to see ghosts in the spooky tomb, we're going to take you through. Right. Uh, you know, I think your your mind is a lot more susceptible to yes. like being jumpy and right. being frightened. And so if you do have a little start or something like that, maybe you faint. Yeah. And with the kid, I, I'm just kind of like, well... Is he's a eleven year old kid, so it's like he could have just tripped. He could have been climbing on something he shouldn't have been climbing on. Right, Lord knows. Right, I mean, how many times have I hit myself, and then later I'm just like, oh shit, I'm bleeding. I like going you know? back to uh, like the current remix of Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr., mm-hmm. where he that guy claims to be doing like sorcery and all this other stuff, but has some scientific background to it. I would just like to think that they're all getting doused with a fine mist of chloroform the entire time they're going through, and oh then they god. all fainted. Oh my god! <laughs> it's, That's it's, so dangerous. Yeah, it's like a just a steampunk like mind trap down there, basically. Oh yes. man. Okay. Uh, let's see. And, and one thing I will add though is that, like, sources on this actually, it's like the local like national newspaper of Scotland that's like based in Edinburgh, called the Scotsman, is. Uh, they they actually did like a whole list of like the haunted things in Edinburgh and stuff like that because it's an old city. It's oh, got yeah, lots yeah. of ghost stories and stuff like that. But they gave this one the uh, Mackenzie Poltergeist. They gave it five out of five for like believability and how much they could confirm of people's stories. Wow! And almost all the other ones were like three out of five Dang. or two out of five, and there were right. four, few four out of five. This was the only. This was the top. Like this is the one that we can like basically everything you've heard about it is true. Shit. And so that's kind of was going to be one of my saved questions for later is like when they said this is the, the most haunted like what scale are they basing that off of but yeah and that throws me off a little bit too but i guess it's you know it's probably part partially boosterism and marketing right but it's by the same token because one person <coughs> said it kind of thing 
World's best cup of coffee. World's most haunted cemetery. Yeah. But it seems like this one is very the the poltergeist, and you know, obviously, a poltergeist is a is a type of ghost where they like make noise or they like move physical objects and stuff like that. They're very active, yeah. Yeah, they're they're a active in the physical world kind mm-hmm. of ghost. Uh, polter and you know is like spirit. Yeah, poltergeist, and it basically in German it's noisy noisy spirit. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, the unpleasant happening soon came, became so common that organizers of the tours even took to offering a full refund to visitor, visitors who'd been spooked, which... That's, that's, an, that's it, an easy way to get your money back, though. Like, oh, I was scared! It's also a very good marketing technique to have all these people say, this is what I experienced, it's for real. That's true, that's very true. Yeah, kind of like in the old-timey... Uh, like movies, plays, and uh, magic shows, where they'd be like, "Those with weak constitutions should leave the theater immediately." You know. Right. Yeah. Then you always have that one asshole who's like, "I'm fine. It'll be fine." And then it happens, like, "Fuck!" And then they're out. Yeah. So let's see. After Mackenzie's tomb was cracked open, there were said to have been numerous in- incidents. Believe in malevolent spirit. Yep. We covered that. Psychic investigators and television cameras arrived in droves, but nothing seems to have stemmed the attacks. In 2003, the house of the organizer of the ghost tours caught fire, and all of the papers that he'd collected about Bloody Mackenzie were destroyed. Which, that can just be a house fire. Well, yeah, but it is a coincidence. It is. It's, you know, it's like... It's circumstantial, but yeah, yeah, it does definitely fall into the, well... You know, sometimes you have a case where it's like there's a lot of circumstantial piling up. Yeah. I know I had a a relative who was very, very spiritual and religious and believed that uh, one of the foster kids that they took in uh, was basically possessed because every house that they took him into had burned down. Whoa. And I'm like, so how many houses are we talking about? And they're like, two. And I'm like... And you take in foster kids, like, you realize you could just be careless with these kids a little bit, and they might be playing with stuff they don't need to. Possibly. It is possible that there's a little bit of neglect there. You know, that they're just not paying as close attention as they should be. Right. But there's also, I mean, what if the kid's just sitting there, nothing's happening, and all of a sudden, you know, a fire bursts out just right in front of him. Right. You know, and it's like, see? Just fires just start. He's just there. I'd, t- I'd take that gift. That makes me think of my all-time. This is a bit of a tangent. My all-time favorite Family Guy joke is the episode with the where the British people take over the pub, and yeah. uh, so Lois is investigating because the 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 British people bought the the pub, and then it like immediately burned down, and so they're like in, her and this insurance adjuster are investigating, and they're like going through the guy's office, and they find documents, and Lois is like. My God, he took out—he took out three different insurance policies, and it's way more than the bar is worth. And it's like uh, the insurance adjuster is just like, "Oh yeah, I, I sold them those policies." And uh, she's like, "Well, didn't you get suspicious when the bar burned down right away, right after you've written all these policies?" He's like, "No, actually, it happens all the time." <laughs> and then he just gets this like sullen, defeated look, and it's like, "Oh God." <laughs> I'm an idiot. Oh, my gosh. Love that one. Oh, what was that on again? That was Family Guy. Family Guy. Oh, right. Not known for its nuanced comedy, but that that yeah. one hit me. Like, I always remember <laughs> that one. Like, no, it happens all the time. Oh. 
Uh, my favorite, this is a little bit of, my favorite Family Guy one is, uh, or there's a couple where, uh, Peter is saying that he never farted until he was, like, in his 30s. <laughs> yes. Farts <laughs> is like, what the hell was that? Yeah, that was, that was a good one. That was a good bit. And then the other one that was a really good bit, uh, that he has a low tolerance for, for alcohol and he took a lip of a, lick of a butter rum ice cream cone and passed out. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I, I'm. We could go on forever about Family Guy. That's that's awesome though. Yeah. I, especially that that fart one. I remember yeah. that one. It's yeah. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I think that's one of the first <clears throat> few episodes too. It is. Yeah. Early Family Guy was really good. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no. No problem. Okay. So people people who've been on the graveyard tours have emerged with scratches, uh, documents of bro- of broken fingers. Uh, like they said, some people have collapsed. And there's one account that I'm not sure if this was from the, uh, I believe this was from the Scotsman. I found this one, mm. that uh, there was a family that claimed that one of their members had gone mad after visiting the, the churchyard, which, you know, uh, with the complex issues with mental health and stuff like that, and then claiming, and then there's no, like, follow-up. I'm kind of like, mm. Yeah. But still, it's like, you know, if they, and if they were troubled, it's like, why did you take them to... F- this place. Yeah, right. How would you take them into a place that's so awful? So you're just exacerbating the... But this is interesting and kind of like goes against the whole, well, they're just doing this for publicity or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it got so dangerous at one point that the Edinburgh City Council sealed up uh, George Mackenzie's grave and the churchyard tours were canceled. But reports of strange happenings in the area continued. To date, there have been, wow, 450 documented attacks. Jesus. At least, and yeah, and this is where we get into that mountain of circumstantial. Yeah. At least 140 people have collapsed, which, you know, I'd believe that you had a handful a year that would collapse from from the hype. Right. But, you know, hundreds of people. And that, is that just from, like, we're just saying from, what, like, maybe 2001 to... I believe this one was, like, from 2006 to today. Holy so, crap. Yeah. And there have even been suggestions that the spirit may be responsible for one death. Here's the account of that. Mm-hmm. In 2000, an Edinburgh psychic and medium named Colin Grant attempted an exorcism at the churchyard. Basically went pick and f- went to pick a fight, I guess. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said he was picking up evil forces and refused to enter the graveyard without a Bible and a cross. Grant, Wait. Wait. Oh, without? Oh, okay. No, but he did. Like that. Sorry. Okay. Keep. I'm sorry. Keep no going. problem. Uh, Grant told his family that the churchyard was home to 200 unhappy spirits. He believed them to be the Covenanters that had uh, been held there and starved to death. He said that there are there was more to be done at Greyfriars, but two months later, at the age of 66, he died suddenly of a massive heart attack. Which 66, especially nowadays, is not that old. For that to happen, but it's totally, but it's still not like. It's still plausible. It's still highly plausible. Right. But you'll notice in that story we mentioned that people were starved to death here. Mm-hmm. So did I mention that this was once a concentration camp on the same grounds? You did not. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious. Okay. <laughs> so here's the story of the Covenanters' prison, which is on the site. Uh, Let's see. In the Covenanters, I'm going to get into their history a little bit so you understand some context about why this happened to mm-hmm. 
Okay, so they started a rebellion that broke out in 1679, and after an unexpected success of a group of Covenanters armed with pitchforks and the like against government forces led by John Graham of uh, Claverhouse at the Battle of Drumclog. Uh, for a time, authorities looked in danger of losing control of the south and west of Scotland, as more and more people joined the rebel camp at Bothwell near Glasgow. But only a few weeks after the Drumclog victory, the rebels were defeated at the Battle of Bothwell Brig. Which, Bothwell Brig is important because this is the battle that a lot of these POWs are going to come from. The co well, rebels, I guess. Right. Uh, Covenanter's prison was con was connected to Greyfriars Kirkyard via a stone gateway and uh, locked with a metal gate near the Mackenzie Mausoleum. It was once home to an estimated 1,200 unfortunate members of the failed revolution. Uh, they stayed there in the winter of 1679 through 1680. Conditions at the prison were so brutal that only 257 of those 1,200 made it out alive. Jesus. Yeah. I'm just looking up some images of the of this place just to get a context of like how large it is. Oh yeah, and I have a lot of uh, great photos I found of the Kirkyard and these sites we're talking about that mm -hmm. will be included in the show notes. Uh, this period of repression of Covenanters and the downfall of their uh, religious class in Scotland actually became known as the Killing Time. Oh, God. <laughs> I was just thinking about that because I was reading that. Could you imagine people on the news just being like, no, we're still in the killing time. Well, <laughs> we are in a war of terror, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's a purge, man. It's a purge. <laughs> <laughs> the, let's see. And, you know, the government during this killing time, they really were persecuting covenanters all over the country. Uh, there are reports that government officials were so ardent in their persecution that, and I'm going to quote here from a book called uh, Covenanters, The Fifty Years of Struggle, uh, if authorities learnt that a murdered covenanter had been given a decent burial, their bodies were usually disinterred and buried in places reserved for thieves and malcontents. Quite often the corpse was hanged or beheaded first, and burying the body in the kirkyard could result in another punitive death. That's so messed up. It's like, don't just kill you, but, like, behead your body and then, like, only leave your body in the place where they throw criminal bodies. It's like... <laughs> but that's the part I don't understand. Like, why would you hang and behead them again if they're already dead? Like... It's a religious war. It's just pure hatred is what you're dealing with. so awful. It's fucked. Yeah. That's so crazy. So... You know, Greyfriars Kirkyard is also has something that's c kind of unique to this graveyard. Uh, you know, like I said at the beginning, this is a crossroad for all sorts of weirdness. Oh, I see. Uh, these are called uh, mort safes. And what these are is they are typical, typically seen in old cemeteries. Or, I'm sorry, typical of most cemeteries, eerie carved stone angels and ghoulish figures and stuff like that. And tombstones. That's what you expect to see in a graveyard. But uh, it, the uh, Kirkyard has a particularly strange thing that you're going to see a lot of that is these imposing metal grills that cover over the top of graves. It looks like the grave is, like, locked in a cage. Yeah, it literally, yeah I'm looking at a picture right now. It literally just looks like they buried, like, a shark cage in the ground. Yep. But didn't bury it all the way. So, like, the top part of the, the cage The top is... part of the cage itself <clears throat> sticks out of the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, so what happened here uh, is that 
In the early 1800s, the University of Edinburgh's prestigious medical studies program was flourishing. Uh, this sparked an inadvertent underground trade in corpses stolen by body snatchers and sold to the local students. Soon the, nar- the nefarious practice, because it was so profitable, became an epidemic. To prevent these entrepreneurs from making off with their loved ones, families would protect the graves by boxing them in large iron cages called mort safes that ran deep into the ground. So apparently those, like, run all the way. Like, that that's a good description, Ari, the, yeah. the shark cage yeah. bur- buried half in the ground. I mean, just, yeah, just kind of give you an idea. And the bars on them look like... I mean, this isn't something like even if they brought like a horse and a wagon into the graveyard to like try and pull it off, you wouldn't get it. Yeah. It's crazy tough. Well, that's the whole point is so then you don't, you're not able to break into the your loved, you know, your loved ones, you know, yep. grave. So yeah, that's one of the pictures that's on the show notes. Yeah. So they're you'll you'll see them in the show notes. They're pretty creepy. Um. Cool, because you see it and you you think, like, were they worried the corpse was going to come back? Kind of like in Eastern Europe where they find bodies where a metal or an iron stake is driven through the heart of the corpse. Mm, yeah. After the fact. Right, yes. Uh, so, you know, not everything with the uh, Greyfriars Kirkyard is all, like, doom and gloom and corpse cages. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a uh, popular story in the graveyard of Greyfriars Bobby. For the last 140 years, a noble-looking bronze uh, Sky Terrier has stood guard outside of the grounds and watched over the kirkyard. Edinburghers have championed the story of Greyfriars Bobby, a loyal dog that stood, stood vigil over his deceased owner's grave for 14 years until his death, at which point he was buried near uh, his beloved master's plot. Which, I heard this story and I'm like, I wonder if this was the inspiration for the... Jurassic Bark episode from uh, from uh, uh, Futurama, where the dog waits for Fry forever. Oh, so sad! It is super sad. He's a handsome dog. the The story has been memorialized in books and movies, but historians now say that while the pup existed, his extended mourning was probably a fabricated marketing ploy by the local cemetery curator and a nearby restaurant owner to encourage tourism. Most likely, he stuck around for all the free food and tension he got from visitors. I mean, I would. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. When I lose my job and source of income, I'm going to create this story that I've never left this place, and people will come see me, and then just bring me everything I need. Yeah. That's that's brilliant. That's the way to go. This is the way to go. I kind of did that with the bed and nails thing. People were bringing me breakfast and lunch, and I didn't have to Oh, yeah. I couldn't go anywhere, but... Great. It's kind of like those those yogis in India. Like India actually is, it, this is a tangent, but they actually they have a problem within rural areas. They have these like snake charmers and guys who can levitate and stuff like that. They do basically magic performances, but basically say it's because they're holy men and they're blessed by a deity or something like that. And so I saw this thing about the Indian government sending these teams of, science, of like researchers and stuff out into these rural villages and showing them the tricks and then showing them how it's done Yeah. because it's become this like cottage industry in India to rip off these these rural villages to show up and, you know, levitate in front of them or something like that, do this trick, and then they're like, oh, he's so holy and let's let him stay here for a month and give him free room and board and stuff like that. Right, right. It basically, they con money out of people, and it's 
like becoming an epidemic. And there, there's a lot of people who like are still have like from those areas that don't really practice anything else outside of those that I've performed for that they just say like you make a lot of money where I'm from you make a lot of money I'm like yeah but I'm not trying to pull it off as real (laughs) yeah that's what they do that's the difference yeah um let's see so yep stuck around for food and whatnot uh, this was the other thing I had no idea about for Greyfriars Kirkyard and, until I researched it yeah. for this podcast, was that this is the graveyard that, uh, let's see, fans of Harry Potter books might recognize a name or two on the gravestones of Greyfriars Kirkyard. One prominent stone, which has become a pilgrimage site for Potter fans, bears the name Thomas Riddle. How did that happen? Oh. J.K. Rowling <laughs> has previously said that the tombstone of Thomas Riddle Esquire in the famous Kirkyard may have subconsciously been the inspiration for Voldemort's true name, since she often took strolls through that past that exact spot, which is overlooked by uh, the Elephant House Cafe, where she wrote several of the books. So how can she say subconsciously? Well, okay. Like, that's the name. Like, well, well it, it is and it isn't. She spells it differently, plus... Um, I mean, I've. I mean, Dominic's done this before, where you watch, you consume so much information, and so you know, and then eventually you come up with a story, and then it's not until after the fact you're like, oh, I guess I was inspired by my surroundings. Okay. So it's kind of like that. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, so I read that, and I was definitely like, oh yeah, that like, that makes sense, and, and it makes sense to me that you wouldn't know for sure. I'd be like, I well, I remember seeing it, and it's possible because it is a cool name, you know. Right. 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 Um, let's see. And then, uh, the nearby gravestone of William, uh, yeah, Will, poet William McGonagall is McGonagall. also, McGonagall, sorry, is also said to have offered inspiration for the name of Professor McGonagall, uh, the head of Gryffindor, while nearby, uh, George Harriet's school is claimed to be the template for Hogwarts. And I haven't seen a picture of the school, but there's a lot of people who claim that it looks a lot like, uh, like Hogwarts. All right, I'm looking it up right now because that was one I haven't done that yet. Let's see, George. Uh, huh, huh, huh. I can spell George E O R G H E. What is it? H E R I I O T. Here we go. It's in yeah. It's very castle-like. Really? Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty Hogwarty. Hogwarty. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Right? Okay. Yeah. A little it. more square than Hogwarts, yeah. but other than that, definitely. I mean, that's but that's the movie's interpretation of what the, of what they think it should look like. Not you know. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Nice. I, I would have never. For the, well, yeah. The big screen. So. I want to go to school there. I mean, I'm too old to go to school there, probably, most likely. But yeah, it's, it's fine. We, we I'll work all, it out. We, we all want to be an elementary kid again, and just all we have to worry about is getting a paper turned in, and then yeah. we can just go home and eat and sleep for free, and yeah. I know, <laughs> oh, man. Tried, Mrs. Peanut Butter, but... <laughs> yeah, my teacher's name is Mrs. Peanut Butter there. No. Not for real. Oh. That's how you pass. Right. Why you try. As long as you did your best. Yeah, I had to watch my little brother this week. So I was like a single mom for like eight days. 
and he had, you know, homework and all that stuff. So I got to sign his assignment notebook because that's a thing now where you have to prove that I checked his homework, uh. verifying that he did his work. So I did my job as a parent and he did his job as the student. And so my a friend of mine from high school, she's actually his homeroom teacher. So I would like write little funny notes every day. Nice. In addition to signing my name. And he calls her by her name, like Mrs. We'll just say like Mrs. Smith. I'm not gonna say what her name is. And then I'm just like, "You mean Mary?" And he's just like, "No, it's Mrs. Smith." I'm like, "So Mary?" Like I would just give him a hard time the, the whole time. <laughs> he gets so Confusing mad. Using the poor kid. Oh man! And then yeah, he also ugly cried about uh, not being able to post something on Instagram because. Okay, you you use that term like must have been on Facebook. You mentioned that. Yeah, I did. What does ugly cry mean? Where you are crying and drooling <clears throat> and snot is coming out of your nose, <laughs> and it's just you're just so overcome with so much emotion, you can't like can you're just you just look ugly, and so so okay, he is terrible with self control. He, you give him a device and he will spend as much time as he wants on his device and he is dead to the world. Like you could tell him anything and he won't pay, he won't pay attention to you. So to help restrict the time that he gets on his devices and the internet, um, my parents bought this device called the Circle and it's a device that's uh, marketed by Disney and it was a failed Kickstarter project, but then Disney picked it up. So what it is, is basically, um, it's like a like a firewall of sorts that you plug into through like your router and you can determine like who can have internet access and who can't. Okay. And if you're, if your devices are designated as a child's device, then you can restrict how much time they get, when and when, when oh. they can and cannot be on the internet. So like you can't be on the internet past midnight, you know? Or, yeah. And then other restrictions too are like, um, you can't see like, adult type content which extends far beyond just being able to like you can't go to like porn sites but it's more like i can't see john oliver's videos on youtube so it's that it's that much of a filter because when because i was there and my phone got flagged as a child's child's device so so <laughs> that, that seems legit. So I couldn't see last week with John Oliver, which really bummed me out. And then my internet got shut off at like 9 p.m. I'm like, what? Mom? Like, come on. <laughs> Mom, wake up. <laughs> so did I call them in Florida? I'm like, um, I need to, I need, to, here's the fucked up part. I was like, I need to use the internet. And they're just like, what for? I'm like, are you kidding me? Wow. I, I, I'm in my 30s. <laughs> like, give me a... Fr- so I'm like, um, for looking up recipes so I can make dinner and so I can check my email. And they're just like, that seems legit. We'll give you access. Like, good God. Good for another half hour. Good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, why do you need the internet? I don't know, Mom. Why do you need the internet? So, yeah, it was so screwed up. So anyways, he, he wanted to post this picture to Instagram and it was getting close to the end of his hour of his time that he could have allowed for the day and he got kicked off and oh. he was so upset <laughs> that he could not share this picture that of him and his friends at his show choir concert and um he's just like it won't be relevant and i'm like just do it on thursday and call it throwback thursday like everybody does that how old is this kid he's 13 
13 and he was a mess. 13, 13. and he's sitting here, this content won't be right. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was it was it must disturbing. Be nice to actually have What are we raising? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I it's just him, it's his age, it's, you know, there's a bunch of other factors, but yeah, he was so so upset that he could not post this picture to Instagram and I'm just thinking, well, you should have thought of it earlier unfortunately you didn't so i guess this is this is what happens the other thing i don't necessarily agree with though is that even when he's on netflix it only limits him to an hour so he's like i can only watch two and a half episodes of the office and i'm like what that's awful skip the intro skip the intro it's like a war crime it is so that was my life for the last jeez i'm so sorry do you need a hug i kind of do Oh my god, I can't believe I had to justify my internet usage to my parents, though. Like, that sucks, man. Yeah. So, I should have just, I should have lied. I should have just said, like, I'm looking at porn, mom, and I really need my fix. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to go into detail? Yeah, I mean, I can give, I can give you the detail on, like, what the, I want them into. These controlled substances I'm moving across international borders have got to be on the streets of Bangkok <laughs> yes. in six hours. <laughs> 10 kilos of uncut Nicaraguan on the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Uncle Escobar. Yeah. So, I don't know what uh, that was relating back to with... The, <laughs> oh, know. the Harry Potter and the schools and to be in school and... Yeah. yeah. So, so I don't know. I, I'm i kind of curious, though. Um, like, what are other poltergeists across, like, just, the, just in the, like, the United States... I mean, poltergeists do crazy shit that, yeah, you, yeah. that you hear stories about and stuff, but, uh, and then there are videos out there that are disturbing on YouTube if you search for them, but uh, this one is particularly active, and I'm not used to what really stands out in this case to me is uh, the violence. Because usually you yeah. don't have poltergeist, you know, because usually that's one thing when I was a little kid I'd always say to my sisters, like, Oh, a ghost. What is it? I mean, everyone's scared of it, but what is it actually going to do to you other than stand there and go, Bleh, Yeah, right. Uh, it's like, they just creep you out. But this this ghost is like, it wants I'm going to fucking like <laughs> beat you down, motherfucker. You yeah. Know? I need friends. <laughs> You're coming to my side. And then I read one account that I couldn't, it's not that I couldn't confirm it, but it was just like the only place I saw this story referenced. But, uh, there was one tour guide that claims that uh, Mackenzie is actually a gentleman to ladies and will uh, will gently push women aside and then attack men in the group. So it's usually men that get attacked. Whoa, that's interesting. So I wonder if that's if that psychic's death is related to to you know to the poltergeist. Then that makes a little bit more sense. That's interesting that he won't go after women. So you're saying I'm safe if I go there. It sounds like. <laughs> Not from the fainting or passing out. No. But, the, but it sounds like women generally don't, aren't the ones that get, like, beat. Right. Right. Because I know... Which I'm just like, sign up for free beating. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what? Can we go tour the chocolate factory instead? You know? <laughs> It's like, what do you do as a tourist? It's like, let's see, go go get a beating from a supernatural entity or <laughs> yeah, really. anything else. But it sounds like you can probably still tour the graveyard. You just they just don't do ghost tours any longer. Kind of yeah, yeah. Kind of what it sounds. Because like. I'm like, I would still love to tour the graveyard. And the, the photos 
taken during the day are just gorgeous. Oh my god, so beautiful. And then as a history nerd, I'm like nerding out on all that stuff. And I, there are some pictures of the actual uh, the prison yard that mm-hmm. where they they kept the people in the. It's like the old stone buildings are still there and stuff like that. And oh, that, wow. that looks pretty cool mm-hmm. slash creepy, but yeah. That's pretty intense. That's awesome. Maybe one day we'll visit Scotland. Go to Edinburgh. Go to Ed- Edinburgh. If I go, though, I'm going to be lost at, in my Harry Potter world for a little while. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be lost back. in my, my William Wallace world because mm-hmm. it's like this place is like in proximity. When I was researching this, there's castles all around. It was like, well, this castle was sieged by William Wallace or this castle was held, was built by the British to occupy, but William Wallace mm-hmm. took it in oh. <laughs> 16 blah, blah, or 14 blah, 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 you know? Uh and then, like, lots of sites that are famous for stuff that Robert the Bruce did and stuff like that. Who's so, Robert the Bruce? Uh, the king that basically gets installed by the actions of William Wallace. Oh, okay. The, if you remember the movie Braveheart at all? Mm-hmm. Um, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> nope, you're fine. You don't have to explain it. I am culturally dumb sometimes, so... He's the original superhero. Yeah. So no, I just killed it. Robert. I just killed it. Well, what's funny is historically Robert the Bruce is a much more heroic figure. If you actually look at the documents and stuff, it was the film uh, Braveheart that turned William Wallace into the, the bigger, the bigger icon. Yeah. Oh wow! Which is why a lot of people it's controversial in the movie that uh, Wall- Wallace gets turned over by Robert the Bruce as part of the the scheme or whatever, or he betrays him to ensure his crown. Yeah. And. Uh, that there are like scholars that say that's what happened, and there are scholars that say that's not what happened, and stuff like that. But that's the, what the f- film crew went with. Yeah. And uh, so that movie doesn't do a lot of people feel like it doesn't do movie f- or uh, good service to Robert the Bruce because he goes on and he ends up fighting like a much bigger war with the British after that, and ends up being the one that actually like makes Scotland a country. See, they should make a sequel then. Exactly, it's ripe for a sequel. And then you know what the world needs, Travis? More sequels. That's true. That's Less true. prequels. This is true. This more, is more sequels. I want. Uh, I'd be okay even skipping the sequel and going right into the the third installment. There you go. Well, I don't know. The second movie in a trilogy is usually like the best one. Yeah. I like the original. Oh, any trilogy. I like the first, usually. I really enjoy origin stories. Yeah, I don't know how I am on origin stories. I I like the... I like telling the whole story, and so I like whole stories. I like origin stories. I like to start with the very beginning. Well, here's the deal. I like history, so when you talk origin story, if it's like, these are the factions and this is how it got started and stuff like that then that kind of origin story I'm good with. But I hate the like the TV show Gotham-style origin story where it's just like, yeah. where we're going to, like, you know, coming-of-age stories. Oh, yeah, that's a, I, that's a deep dive, though. I, I don't like deep dive, coming-of-age kind of like, you know, what made Batman Batman? What Like the, the most recent Grinch movie, I know that they're making another one now, but in the Jim Carrey one, that drove me nuts that... I was like, the Grinch is just the Grinch. I don't need a, right. like, 30 to 40 minute explanation of his background about how he was teased as a kid and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, like, yeah. This is tedious. Yeah. Um, so, when you were researching more about this stuff, like, George McKenzie, like, his backstory, 
I mean, did you find much about him? I I didn't look much past the fact that he was definitely part of the government forces that were cracking down on the Covenant Covenanters. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, he probably took place in a lot of the atrocities that, you know, we, we describe where he was he probably, like... He's probably one of the guys that, like, dug up bodies and, you know, helped hang or behead oh, them and stuff like so that. Oh, so now, and then explain to me what the Covenanters were again. So Covenanters are, like, a branch of Presbyterianism. Okay. Oh, okay. And uh, specifically in this instance, it seems like it's both the fact that they're Presbyterians and then they are uh, both that and a political movement Whereas you had the establishment, which I think in Scotland at the time, you know, I'm going to slaughter the history here. I think they were Catholic at this point, because this is after the English Revolution. Okay. So I think we're we're getting really close to when England, when uh, Scotland and England are going to merge and become, Eng, you know, oh. uh, the United Kingdom or Britain. Gotcha, gotcha. Britain, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And so there's a lot of like. People trying to, you know, like you're going to have the Bonnie Ch- Prince Charlie rebellion, either like with this or shortly after, or like a, de- you know, like a few decades afterwards. Um, yeah, it's so basically just think of them as not the right religion at the right time in the stupid religious wars that Europe right. just fought endlessly. Right. Because it's like all of a sudden a new king came in and he was either Catholic or a different kind of Protestant or a Quake, you know, like. Or a Puritan. I think that's what it ties into, because with the English Revolution being so close, I'm guessing that uh, Scotland being controlled by England, and England was being run by Puritans, that maybe that's what why they were persecuted. Oh, I see. Okay. That's... And so it's, so it's like you have the, the Scottish, who are kind of establishment, and mm-hmm. with the the Vichy kind of, like, ruling regime that's right. actually a puppet for England mm-hmm. cracking down on the more loyalist to actual identity of an independent Scotland who are a different religion and stuff like that. Right. Isn't it weird how religion just fucks up a lot of shit? It can fuck up a lot of shit. And it's... But it's also... I mean, I, I had a friend one time who was like, religion just... All it does is cause war. And I'm like, no, no, that's... That's not it at all either, because right. the thing is, when you, we look at any religious conflict, you're also going to find a socio or economic or political thing as well. Right. Because oh, like yeah. I said, they're the Covenanters, and this is one of those stupid religious wars, but there's also the legitimate, like, an independent Scotland versus a Scotland that is basically a puppet for England going on here. Right. So, which one of these is the real driver? For the common man, maybe mm-hmm. the religious thing is more mm-hmm. the driver. For their leadership, maybe the other thing is more right. important. Yeah. yeah, and everything in between. Right. It's not. It's not just religion or just politics. It's both. Exactly. Both. Yeah. Well, neat. So yeah, that was the Greyfriars Kirkyard, the most haunted cemetery in the world. Although I don't know if this one's the most haunted one, because like I said, they claim it. Uh, there's one that we'll cover down the road in Chile. That I want Ooh. to get to that is super, super freaky haunted in the middle of a desert and like people don't, it's basically like a no man's land and uh, we'll tell you all about it in a future chapter. So yeah, thank you for listening to uh, Macabre Grimoire. And that was chapter five. That was chapter five. No, wait, four. It was chapter four. Chapter four. <sighs>
<laughs> and uh, once again, don't forget to support us on Patreon. Uh, if you want to thank us and you, you don't want to pay money or you don't, uh, don't have the funds right now, totally understand. Uh, if you'd give us a positive review on whatever service you're listening to this podcast, that would be really appreciated with a thumbs up, a like, or a, uh, you know, like a, a nice review on iTunes. That would be awesome. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Macabre Grimoire is a production of the SiouxEmpire.com. Learn more at macabregrimoire.com.